Good afternoon and welcome to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. Happy New Year. Uh, the first trading session of 2023 maybe didn't go the way folks had wanted it to go, especially when you looked at a livestock side. Usually we see a down trade in the grain markets. Livestock takes advantage of it, but it was definitely red all the way across the screen today. Maybe just get it out of its system as we continue into January. A variety of things that we're going to take a look at today when we do look at these numbers. Obviously, uh, we're taking back some of what we saw at the end of last year. Uh, lower energy markets. How about that crude oil dropping uh, $3 on the day? And of course, no surprise, it's still dry in Argentina. From a livestock perspective, obviously some some lower numbers there. Maybe some cautiousness is what we saw in the trade from the traders. We'll take a look at all the happenings today with Sam Hudson. Sam is with Corn Belt Marketing. And got to start out right now, uh, first trading day, I think there was some optimism maybe we would have started out the year on a positive note. Well, I, I think there was, it was kind of an easy path to, to look for uh, after we finished last year on such a positive note. Uh, of course, a lot of that uh, is taking place on, uh, you know, not necessarily normal volume. I think you're going to start to see volume and open interest you know, rise in the weeks ahead as we start to see, uh, you know, the new year unfold. And I think that'll you know, potentially create some, some continued market movement, maybe in a broadening range as we figure out the South American weather. You know, there's a lot... Uh, that's still just carrying over from last year, and that is Argentina is still relatively dry. There were some areas over the weekend uh, that got some pretty meaningful rains and other places that just got absolutely nothing. And so, um, you know, realizing that they're the bridge to the, uh, uh, you know, they're there to bridge the gap between our crop and, and Brazil's, and I think that's where we could really see some added weather premium as if in, uh, Brazil gets into any sort of a, a scare here over the next few weeks. In the meantime, we're going to get ready for USDA's final crop production uh, and WASDE reports on January 12th, and I don't know that they can have... Uh, you know, a lot of market moving information uh, on that side of things from a fundamental standpoint. I think there's a lot to be expected. Uh, and of course, if there's a surprise there, it's, you know, a bigger than an expected yield adjustment. I tend to think either way, we're pretty close to, and in the ballpark and it's going to turn into a South American Southern Hemisphere weather market here still for the next couple months. Which is something we dealt with last year, but it seems like this year, Sam, it's on a heightened level because of the global demand that's out there. Well, it's on a heightened level. I think it's for several reasons. I mean, we, you know, we come out of this new year, into this new year with concern about China shutting down again, and of course, what is demand and exports across the board going to look like? Um, it, it, you know, it's just too soon to see how all that plays out. I think the real fear in the in in the uh, in the pit here on the ag side is just seeing where inputs have gone to. Uh, and the uncertainty moving forward. If we do see things, uh, you know, roll over and, and kind of die from a demand standpoint and we see weather normalize, uh, not only here, but the Southern Hemisphere, uh, the Black Sea region, even Australia. Keep in mind, you know, we've had some wheat production issues the last few years in a row on top of the war in Ukraine. There's a lot that's boiled into this. Uh, and we don't want to become complacent after seeing, uh, you know, those break-evens trail, uh, trail the move. You know, earlier today I saw on the on the national news and they were talking about the big jump that we'd seen in in gas prices. But then we turn around and see today where the crude oil uh, dropped the three dollars. Is there some optimism that we might see lower gas prices? And and how does this then factor into our ethanol market? Well, it's certainly possible. I, you know, I think uh, it's going to be measured either way as we get into the first and second quarter of this year. Um, I think one, one of the areas of focus is after the holidays here, what does uh, what does spending look like? Obviously, there's been a lot of focus on credit card debt as well. Uh, fuel prices may help the economy here short term, but uh, if we do see a sustained lower move, it's not going to prove uh, you know real promising for us at all. We're going to have a lot of corn that's going to be delivered here over the next two or three months, regardless of what those margins look like. Uh, farmers are going to be looking to get in the truck here, and, and I think that uh, you know could be threatening uh, to some of those ethanol bids, especially if we start to see that South American weather uh, improve. So uh, as it starts 
you know, the new year where we see things off to a weaker start anyways, but uh, we don't want to pinch those margins any more than we need to with the export market already failing. Talk about that export market. What is your thoughts and the, and the lack of that we've had for demand of U.S. products? Well, it's been prioritized to the soybeans. I mean, we've been able to not only meet but exceed our sales, uh, you know, paces that the USDA set for us. But corn has really been a, the struggle, uh, you know, and it began with the low river levels that we saw here at the onset of harvest. And so since then, we haven't really given the corn exports a chance to catch up. They've either been priced out of the market altogether or, you know, too expensive via freight, uh, you name it. Uh, soybeans in the meantime have moved quite considerably. And that keeps that balance sheet very snug, very tight. And I, I don't know how we don't cut corn exports again in this upcoming crop report. I think that kind of keeps a buffer on this corn market unless we see a more you know, elongated weather problem uh, in, in Brazil or Argentina. So do you see yourself, I mean, today is the 3rd. We've got a report coming out the 12th. When are we going to start seeing some serious positioning happening ahead of this USDA report? Well, I, we've already been you know, kind of on that move. I, I really believe here the last, uh, well, last week of the year, even into this week, is the time to start getting hedged up. I think volatility is going to increase on these options uh, as volume and open interest increases and the speed of the market could potentially increase. And that makes it more expensive. So to get some of those puts bought, you know, if you can get a six, some $6 December puts for next year's, $14 puts for next year's beans, you know, get a portion of that covered up and protect yourself because we just don't know. Uh, and you never know when the last rally is the last one. Weather-wise, I mean, you've got some gorgeous weather happening right now um, in the 60s in the eastern Corn Belt. You look at the western Corn Belt getting socked with snow and, and rain and, and freezing rain. How is this all going to be worked into these markets this first week? Well, uh, there's a lot of focus, of course, on what sort of rainfall and precipitation we can garner out west, you know, over the winter months. And, you know, the more rain you can get and kind of put in the bank now as opposed to snowfall and, you know, risking and evaporating it later, I think is good. Uh, you know, we had some really, really cold temperatures that swept through here a couple of weeks ago during the Christmas, uh, you know, holiday. And, and heck, you know, we were, we're back up uh, to 60 degrees almost here today uh, in central Illinois. So now uh, how long that lasts, I'm not sure, but uh, certainly glad either way to catch a little bit of moisture. And I think we're, um, you know, going to be looking at uh, some better conditions here as we head towards spring. Hopefully we can add a little bit more to it. I think they're talking about maybe some cold temperatures and snow moving back in for us again this weekend. All right. I know folks in California are ready to share some of that moisture with the rest of the Western Corn Belt. Stick around, folks. We come back. We'll continue to take a look at what's happening on the grain complex. Get some thoughts as we head into this new year. Switch gears and look at a little bit of pressure that's happening on this cattle market. We, we did see some higher box beef prices on the day. More is coming up. It's the Tuesday version of the Fontenelle Final Bell on the Rural Radio Network. Welcome back to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. As we continue our conversation today with Sam Hudson, Sam, of course, with Corn Belt Marketing. So we talked the first half about all the happenings of the grains. I wanted to get your thoughts as to what you see as some of the keys that our growers need to keep an eye on as we move towards planting season. And just look at this first quarter of 2023. Yeah, well, the first quarter is going to involve, you know, you're going to hear maybe a lot of this week about fund rebalancing, money flow, you know, this and that. Those factors are always going to be there. And when you look at the, the length in the corn and bean markets, at some point we're going to take that back out. We have to have a reason why first, though. Uh, and the most likely reason is what we've already all been talking about for quite a while here is, is weather. Um, you know, we're taking uh, the U.S. weather season all the way into the South American weather season, and we'll take that one right into ours all over again. Uh, and that probably is where we pose the greatest risk. Uh, we talked about bridging the gap to new crop. I think, you know, if we if we realize that and can find a way to keep the world balance sheet, you know, solvent and, and moving forward here, 
um, you know, by the first of June, and then our crop looks like it's in good shape. That's probably where you know you see a, a bigger decline as we get into this summer if, if we don't see any weather problems. So, uh, you know, we've talked a lot about demand and world economics too. I don't know how quickly all that can change, but we know inflation is you know not going to do anything uh, you know good for long-term demand. And and if you have economic problems on top of it, uh, obviously our markets are impacted by all of that. So livestock markets are going to be uh, you know just similarly the same as we talk about China and what they're going to be needing from an export standpoint. A lot of craziness when it comes to, you know, just the political global weigh-in that's going to have on these on these markets, both grain and livestock perspective. Yeah, absolutely. And that's both domestically and worldwide. I mean, the situation in Ukraine, how you know, what they do, um, you know, both Zelensky and Putin and the world leaders and how they react to it around it is, is uh, going to have some influence. Um, obviously, you know, the wheat market, uh, you know, priced a lot of that in last February and almost a year later, uh, not much has changed. And yet here we are with prices, you know, going almost right back to where they were at this point. So I think we have to realize the possibility of that happened in the corn and bean market here down the road. But, uh, you know, we've got to find our path on it first. All right. You looked at it from a perspective on the grain side of it. What are you going to be watching first quarter for livestock? Well, I think feeder cattle market could offer quite a lot of volatility. I think, you know, the combination of this feed costs uh, and the yo-yo that that's been on, um, we can't really replenish any grass until we get into, you know, at least next June, you know, July, August timeframe. And those first cuttings could be, uh, you know, pretty small given, uh, you, you know, the situation coming off of last year. So uh, that being said, I think that's, uh, you know, probably one to at least keep your eyes peeled on. When you look at live cattle in general, those back months are going to be hard to break until we actually see uh, some definitive economic problems because when you look at herd liquidation the situation that we're in right now currently it's just hard to not have a fundamentally bullish out outlook on things uh unless that demand just completely falters so i think the first thing to look for is your, your expensive your good cuts if those can continue to move uh you know provide some optimism that we can limp along as soon as you lose that though i think uh you know that's where things could get problematic and you know does that happen by grilling season this next year we'll see well, we did see some higher box beef numbers uh, for this afternoon. Uh, what are your thoughts uh, on the way they were trading, especially when they shifted gears to be end up on the lower side after seeing such positives? Well, yeah, and I think choice was up, what, another 10 bucks or something like that. So, you know, quite a lot higher than, than last year. Record high uh, year-end price, I believe. Um, and when you have select, you know, $7, about $7 cheaper, uh, than a year ago. I mean, once again, we just have to see what's being pushed, what isn't. Um, you know, there's a lot of talk about the, you know, the wealth gap and, and upper and middle class and this and that. And, and to me, I think all this policy and all this reaction, especially from COVID, has only amplified that uh, and widened that gap. And I think it's a case of the has and have nots right now. Is there any concerns, meat counter movement, because, you know, we are post holidays and everything else? Uh, possibly. I mean, I, you know, the, the availability of market-ready cattle, I think, is probably the biggest thing going into the Christmas time, especially when you had all those cold temperatures or dealing with a blizzard again. But that factor is not going away here right away. Um, and so the, these winter factors could still provide a little bit of movement, too. It would be something I would look for over the next 30 to 45 days. Um, but in general, I mean, this market is going to remain very current. And I, I think when you look at futures contracts, and especially as they go into delivery, showing that strength, I think that's uh, indicative of, of where people are positioned and um, you know, how, how, like I said, current the market is. Lo- uh, the hogs also mm-hmm. took a lower turn, as everybody else did for this Tuesday. What are your thoughts there? 
Well, the one thing I would look for there is the lean hog index. If you can start to provide a little bit of stability down in here, 75 to 80, uh, I would not rule out the move back up to 90 at some point here within the first quarter. And the question is, how quickly can we do that? When I look at the spread action today, it was horrible uh, in the February, April spread, uh, down uh, out to about 870 there. If that can, you know, if this was a bit of an aberration here to start the year, if that can start to strengthen, I think it could provide a little bit of optimism. I still think our exports are going to be good there on the hog side. But you know, I think today uh, out of the gate just kind of a knee-jerk reaction about China and, you know, headlines about shutting down. And most of these markets have had a run going into this news. Um, and now they get a little bit of, you know, additional fodder from money flow and just more, more volume and open interest coming along from this new year. Lots of great information today, Sam. What's the best way for folks to get a hold of you? 800-655-3380 or go to www.cornbeltmarketing.com. All right, Sam Hudson's been joining us. The first episode of the Fontenelle Final Bell on the new year. As we remind folks, commodity futures and options do involve a substantial risk of loss not suitable to all investors. And that's the Fontenelle Final Bell brought to you by Fontenelle Hybrids and all your local dealers on the Rural Radio Network.